This special review episode of New Politics was released on 13 January, 2024, and produced on the lands of the Wangal and Wajuk people. Welcome to this special holiday series from New Politics, and we are continuing with looking at some of our most popular episodes and the big issues from 2023, because we think that they're still going to be relevant this year. Last week, we revisited the issue of media reform, and this week we'll be revisiting housing issues. And this was a continuing theme throughout 2023, and it's already continuing in 2024, even though the new year is only two weeks old. Across Australia, house prices are near record levels. Where prices go next will depend heavily on where interest rates peak and how long they stay there. I think it's gotten a lot harder. The main thing is getting the loan from the banks. It's going to be tricky for the market to replicate a 7% growth rate. But finding a home is getting harder. We believe interest rate settings are now at a level which is creating real pain out there with existing property owners and would-be home buyers would be deterred at this point in time. Um, some of these houses are in such bad condition that we have to actually get people to sign waivers just so they understand what they're walking into. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to sell. So we open the bidding, ladies and gentlemen, at 1,100,000. I thank you for that, sir. One, five. The population of Greater Sydney is expected to grow by 1 million by 2041 to 6.1 million people. To cope with that influx, the state needs about 900,000 additional dwellings by then, according to government estimates. Mike Coates is about to call this granny flat home. The one-bedroom unit in his mother's backyard is costing $100,000 to build. While Mike is very appreciative that his mum is forking out for this, he didn't expect to be here at the age of 44. Supply levels are actually down to their lowest level since November of 2012. Across the nation, just over 1% of all rentals are now sitting vacant. A lot of my friends are actually doing share houses now, and that's a possibility. Women over 50 are the fastest growing group looking for a flatmate. Housing affordability has hit a three-decade low. There's no doubt that the headlines are painting a grim picture of home ownership for many Australians. According to the report, it's also taking longer for Australians to save for a deposit, with a typical household needing to save 20% of their income. Is the Australian dream of home ownership dead? And there have been quite a few criticisms of the Labor government for not acting quickly enough on housing, but we do have to remember that all of these issues have been banking up over the past 20 years or so, with the lack of meaningful action and inadequate policy by quite a few state and federal governments and local councils. And most of their actions have actually made these problems worse. So it's slow progress and it will take time to resolve these issues. In June last year, we spoke to Cathy Callahan from Shelter New South Wales about all of these issues. And David Lewis started off this discussion about housing. And this discussion is from June last year, but it's still very relevant today. And it will continue to be an issue throughout 2024. So let's see where it takes us. There's a lot to be done. It's not just the building of houses. There's plenty of vacant properties. And not only do we need to build more houses, we need to build the infrastructure that supports that. In Canterbury, New South Wales, they built 3,000 apartments and their developers were told that you had to put in social services. 
So they built a Woolworths and a couple of cafes. No extra police, no extra hospitals, no extra medical, no extra funding for schools. It's been quite difficult for the residents of Canterbury, both the new residents and the old residents, as things have been expanded. Canterbury, I live near it. That's why I happen to know that. I know it's also happened in other parts of the, the country. We need to sit down and rethink and have some kind of summit, not with the developers. The developers have had their say, but with town planners, with environmental thinkers, with uh, anthropologists and sociologists to say what's the best way to cope with a city, to get people into affordable accommodation, to make sure that we don't have 30 people turning up to a rental property, to make sure that areas in the city are as equally as desirable as they can be so that everybody's got decent public transport, everybody's got access to hospitals, access to police, access to other social services that you need. There are too many people struggling finding accommodation, particularly in the big cities where people are needed. So we do need to sit down with sensible people who aren't driven by profit and say, right, how do we sort these issues out? Without damaging small investors, without running the risk of losing more accommodation as people find it less easy to run this stuff. And of course, governments have on their mind, how do we keep value in houses and make it cheaper for people so that the people who have a house aren't losing money, but that people who want to get into houses can afford it. It's not easy, which is why we do need some kind of parliamentary summit that lasts a fortnight or even a month to sit down and go through everything and come up with good recommendations. And to find out more about what can be done about these housing issues across Australia, because the more we know about it, the better off we'll be, I spoke with Cathy Callahan, and she's a senior policy advisor with Shelter New South Wales, and that's the peak body for housing policy and advocacy in New South Wales. And she outlines all the things that we need to do to address the current housing crisis. Cathy Callahan, welcome to New Politics and thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Eddie. Happy to be here. Now, there's been a lot of debate in recent times about the housing crisis and it just seems to be everything about housing at the moment. It's the cost of purchasing a house, it's the cost of renting, it's access and supply, homelessness. In some areas of Australia, it's close to impossible to either rent or buy a house if you're on a low income and in some cases, even if you're on a medium income. So... Are these long-standing issues that have reached a tipping point or are there more recent issues that have contributed to these problems? Uh, probably both, Eddie. And look, I'm from Shelter New South Wales. We've been around for 50 years. So that tells you that for <laughs> at least 50 years, advocate groups like ourselves have been arguing for a better deal for housing for lower-income people. So a lot of these things have been growing for a long time and are the logical consequence of government action and inaction over the last couple of decades. And, you know, when we talk about government, talking Commonwealth and state primarily. But of course, sometimes we get the perfect storm of a number of factors. And I think, you know, probably in the last year or two, we've seen acute housing crisis. And in some cases, it's kind of crept into the middle class, which, you know, in, perhaps in the past, we haven't seen that. So we are seeing and hearing stories of fairly traditional people 
say, women who've come from what you would call a pretty, you know, regular lives confronting um, homelessness in their 50s and 60s and in quite deep shock about how how it is that at that stage in their life um, they find themselves homeless. So that kind of phenomena, the images of hundreds of people lining up for rental properties and just seeing the, you know, the stats that come out each month or so about the the kind of bill shock that people have about the cost of housing, I think has really brought it to a to a head. And what can be done to address some of these issues and who do we go to? Is it local, state or federal governments that need to look more closely at these problems? Is it a case where they're not actually talking to each other and they need to? Is, is it a lack of political will? What are some of the solutions that we could look at to ease or resolve these housing issues? Yeah, so like like a lot of things, because there's been many factors that have led to this problem, it's logical that there's a multi-factor plan required to, to counteract it. So we, you know, we would say first and foremost, you know, there needs to be a national strategy and plan where we have national political and civic leadership um, that repositions housing as an essential service and not as it has become um, as a financial product. So it, it really has, you know, if you look at government policy over the last 20 years, it has been dominated by a philosophy that the private housing market will take care of housing and governments have stepped away from its traditional role to provide um, housing through public you know, social housing. Um, we've seen policies that have really, in some cases, made the problem worse. So there's there's a lot of things that could be driven from a national level, but probably the biggest thing that, that governments could do, and they could do it right now, is to, particularly in New South Wales, is step back into the game of being responsible for building and growing the stock of social housing in the state. So it is clear across probably, I'd say, a good decade that government, Commonwealth and state have really vacated the field when it comes to making sure we have a healthy safety net of social housing in the state. Uh, We're now down to social housing stock being 4.7% of stock in New South Wales. And if you look at the stats, it's been on a steady decline over 10 years. So it's not only is it not keeping up with population, it's certainly not keeping up with the needs of a population that's more inequitable when you start to look at income, more crisis prone when you look at climate emergencies. Uh, Restoring the safety net of social housing, turning it around from being a declining amount of stock to a growing uh, would be the single biggest thing that governments can and could do immediately to start um, really tackling this crisis. And you mentioned some of those programs that could be implemented immediately by government, but there is a perception that if the problems are easy to fix, they would have been fixed a long, long time ago. But is that the case or are there more pressures on housing that we might not be fully aware of? Sure. I mean, there's some underlying structural issues in the Australian taxation system, for example, that disproportionately rev up investment in housing as a speculative product. So if you look back to the changes that were made under the Howard government around the capital gains discount, you know, that's widely credited as being something that made housing much more speculative, brought investors in um, and saw people wanting to buy homes competing with quite an unreasonable subsidised tax system for people, either investors, and even just the way the retirement income system is structured. Everything assumes you own your own home. 
So there's been very little recognition that we have a large and growing population that rents and will rent probably for their lives. So we have a lot of myths in this country around um, home ownership, what makes a great home, and all sorts of law and regulation has not kept up, whether it's around supporting renters, having reasonable rights um, as renters, uh, right through to, you know, as I've mentioned, investing decent money in growing social housing as a safety net, which it once was. Post-World War II, um, who would have thought, you know, that an organisation like Shelter New South Wales would would look at Robert Menzies as, you know, as a pin-up guy. But that government and that and that era saw that providing housing was for people was a critical role of government, that it was um, required to support employment and required to support employment in growing parts of the country. And unfortunately, governments of all stripes and levels over the last decade or so have happily stepped back, probably through budgetary pressures, and said, why don't we just leave it to the private sector and somehow, if we let them build enough dwellings, somehow affordable housing will trickle down to lower-income people. Well, it hasn't. The private housing sector has persistently and consistently failed lower-income people for a long time. So um, we need some fundamental changes. But there are things that governments could do immediately to start putting us back on the right track. And governments tend to solve problems through the prism of politics and Mm. things such as the first homeowner grants, which seem to push prices up. And there was a piecemeal approach which seems to add to the problem. And there's also calls to end negative gearing, calls to change the capital gains tax system on investment properties. Now, all of these are isolated changes which don't really make that much of a difference or they create problems elsewhere. Is a coordinated big picture approach a better way to go with all of these factors? Look, yeah, there is. Um, and certainly, you know, we have hopes that the new federal government is committing, and we haven't seen this for many years, to a much more coordinated strategic approach to housing and homelessness across the whole country. Um, so we're hearing a lot about the stalled housing affordability fund, the HEF, but behind that there is actually a lot of really strong commitment to repositioning or creating a plan, having a strategy, working with states, and coordinating investment. So that that you know that strategy certainly needs to be there with some clear metrics around what we want to see in this country, what good looks like, because because currently I don't know that there is um, you know the view on that. But to your point about some of the piecemeal approaches, unfortunately, some of the the policy initiatives that politicians and I have to say the general public love, like government subsidies for first home buyers. I mean, it's just so clearly make the problem worse. So it's it's quite unfortunate that out of desperation, and I think just sometimes it's kind of counterintuitive that most of these policies that have worked on the demand side, so first-time buyers, yes, worse still, the, the multi-billion dollar investment made by the previous Commonwealth government in the, the home builder program, for example, I mean, that truly was a very poorly constructed program. It was Advocates like our organisation and many others around the state were saying, if you want to sink public money into building housing, then put it into social housing. Put it where where it's required at the right time. Instead, it basically went to households that were already going to renovate. It's credited with pumping up a lot of the supply uh, material shortages that we've got across the country. And for first-time buyers, brought people into the market and gave them more money to compete against each other 
which is just a, you know, a silly and really poorly thought out piece of public policy. So you mentioned the federal government's housing future fund, and it doesn't seem to be enough, but it is a start. The Queensland government is also creating or releasing 335 social dwellings as part of its recent state budget. If we start implementing all of these solutions, and it does take time, even those solutions that you mentioned that government can immediately implement, it can't be resolved overnight and it does take a little bit of time. But how will we know when the problem is resolved or reduced? And we could say, well, when we don't hear about it in the media anymore, but what are the signposts that we should be looking for? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some really obvious ones. So the census, for example, counts every five years the rate of homelessness in in the country. So in in the last census in New South Wales, there were over 122,000 people um, identified, so self-identified as homeless. Now, these are people that are more than um, the obvious street sleepers. In fact, that is a very tiny component of the overall homeless figures in New South Wales. The great majority of homeless people in New South Wales are living in severely overcrowded dwellings. And I suspect with the current crisis, that will surely have increased. So people unable to find uh, rental properties will be moving back home with families. They'll be moving back into already crowded households, students who can't find accommodation. We know of households where students are on shifts, sharing one room, taking turns to sleep in beds because there is no accommodation. So that that will surely increase. And if we had a better system of housing in this state, we would see that figure go down. We also have some clear ways of tracking the degree of housing stress. So housing stress is like to think about it when the lowest 40% of income earners, if, if they're paying, if those households are paying more than 30% of their gross household income for their housing costs, whether it's mortgage or, or rent, then they're defined as being in a state of housing stress. And we know that households that are in housing stress are forced to compromise on other critical spending like their health, like food. And we know that there are many of those households of that are paying 40, 50, 60% of their household income in housing. So we would see rates of housing stress come down. We would see people not forced to make those unreasonable choices between paying rent and eating food or paying a power bill. And one key indicator for us would be we would see the safety net of social housing restored and become, and in other countries, you know, the equivalent of social housing, the public housing, it's a substantial player in the rental market. It's a competitive player in the rental market. So lower income people look to the substantial number of choices in local community housing, say in Austria, and say, well, why would I pay too much money to, to rent a poorly maintained, terribly built rental property when here's a community or public housing or government housing that's actually of decent quality and is not going to take more than 30% of my income to pay for it? So currently, we don't have enough social housing for it to be a, a key player for rental properties in the lower part of the market, but we, we would love to see that. And we have had it in the past. This is not crazy stuff. In this country, we have had housing built by governments for low-income people and for workers. We've had that done on scale, and it's supported a whole generation out of being only renters into home ownership and to levels of you know, wealth and housing security that we kind of take for granted now. And 
Are there any other key issues that we need to consider when governments are making decisions about housing and affordable housing into the future? Um, Probably just to talk about um, the degree of population growth planned for New South Wales, like the New South Wales government saying we need an extra 900,000 homes by 2041. So we're just trying to get through to people, particularly in there's this idea of a mega, you know, the mega cities of Greater Sydney, of the Hunter, of of the South. There's massive population growth plan, and if we don't do it properly, these problems we have now will just be compounded. But we have the opportunity to do it really well and create really diverse communities where people can just live a happy life without housing being the bane of their existence. Yeah, so there's some stuff around population, and and like we need government to step right in and say, right, whenever we build a new suburb. We're going to have social housing in there. We're going to have affordable housing for key workers, just like we need a public school and we need access to GPs at bulk bill and we need a pool and part of that kind of community planning. So, yeah, so yeah, we're just trying to get people to think about growth and what kind of state and what kind of you know, cities do we want to have over the next few decades because we're heading in the wrong direction. That was Cathy Callahan, Senior Policy Officer at Shelter New South Wales, discussing housing affordability issues in Australia and some possible solutions to address the housing crisis. Thanks for listening in to New Politics, and we'll see you again next time.